I appreciate you being with us this morning on uh, this June, muggy June morning uh, here in Ohio, particularly this week, but we need to continue to keep those in prayer uh, that are on the prayer list, and I know that they will certainly appreciate that. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this morning for our Sunday school lesson. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house, Father, around your word. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person that's here this morning. Father, I pray that you'd be with Pastor as he's away and uh, traveling to other churches. I pray that you'd give him safety and protection. We'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd bless uh, our service here, the Sunday school lesson, each class, Father, that is meeting, the, uh, each and every lesson that will be given. God, I pray that you would just apply it to the hearts and lives of the people and Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter number 6. And um, some of you are like getting worried. You're saying, oh, no, Pastor's going to have to lead, or Brother Shane's going to have to lead singing for uh, 11 o'clock. No, we got, a, we got a pinch hitter a song leader for... Uh, 11 o'clock, so we're covered there. So you don't have to you don't have to endure me another time. All right, and so uh, just the ones for Sunday school. We've been going through these lessons for uh, our adult Sunday school class. Actually, before we get into our Sunday school class, let me do this. I was going to say this, and I I did not remember. Um, we used to always do the attendance slips, and of course. Uh, COVID has really knocked us out of schedule on a lot of things, and most people are not. So if you would do me a favor and grab one of the attendance slips that's in front of you, fill it out, and on your way out, I will remind you after Sunday school, drop it in that box. You can go ahead and put your offering with it if you want. Put your offering there and put it in the gray box, or if you don't have an offering, just put the attendance slip. That will be fine. And uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we would certainly appreciate it uh, if you would fill that out. I know we have some out-of-town guests, and uh, you don't need to necessarily fill that out. Now, if you live close to us and you're visiting, uh, we'd love to have that information. That way we can kind of reach out to you and, uh, and get to know you a little bit better, and, and, uh, and we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, we always appreciate our visitors. So uh, if you would do that for me, I would appreciate it. And I'm going to put that right here so that at the end of service, I'm going to remind you and I'm going to remind myself uh, that if you could turn those in, that helps us tremendously uh, keep track of who is here for Sunday school. All right. So I just wanted to make sure I, I mentioned that as well. Um, we've been going through a Sunday school series uh, entitled strengthening the inner man and it's based off of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 uh, the Bible says that he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man uh, and and of course that is so important we've talked about that quite a few times and uh, and I've mentioned you know a lot of people uh, they work, they, they, they do exercise physically to strengthen their outer man, and that's good. Uh, certainly, all doctors advocate that you should do some form of exercise a little bit, and, uh, and that's certainly a good thing, uh, but oftentimes, we tend to neglect our spiritual man, uh, and, and the doctors are not going to be saying, listen, you need to strengthen your inner man, uh, but listen, the pastor and the church is going to be saying, and God is going to be saying, hey, 
strengthen your inner man. Uh, and that, too, comes from exercise. That, too, comes from uh, reading the Word of God and, and, and thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're talking specifically about strengthening the inner man. And in Romans chapter number 6, we're going to take our text from there. Uh, and, and we're going to read here just a couple verses. Verse, let's start there in verse number 1. Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And let's stop right there and let's just have a, a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. I pray, Father, that you would touch each and every heart this morning. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this chapter uh, and this idea that strengthening the and I've entitled it really dying to self. And, and you think, well, how on earth do you strengthen something if you're dying to self? I mean, those are kind of opposing ideas, and really it is. But, uh, but to strengthen our spirit on the inner man, uh, we must die to ourselves and our own self-will. Uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, he's dealing with this, and he deals really with, throughout chapter 6, he deals with sanctification. Uh, and we're not going to get into the specifics of all of that. We're not going to deal uh, specifically with, with chapter 6, all of it, and all that is, is written therein. Uh, but in chapter 5, he covers justification. And on Sunday nights, we're going through the book of Romans. We're only up to chapter 3. Uh, but I want to encourage you to be a part of our Sunday evening services as we go through the book of Romans. And uh, you're only getting like a little preview of what we're doing in, in, in uh, Sunday evening service. Uh, but uh, it's important to recognize here from the context that Paul is dealing with justification in chapter 5. Matter of fact, I found this chart that was very helpful. In chapter 5, he deals with the fact that, hey, Christ died for us. And in Romans chapter 6, uh, he it kind of parallels because he deals with the idea that we died with Christ if we die to self. Uh, in chapter 5, he deals with substitution, that Jesus Christ was our substitute for salvation. In chapter 6, he deals with identification. Uh, that we should identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 5, he, he deals with the fact that Christ died for sins, that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood on Calvary for our sins. In chapter 6, he deals with uh, that Christ died uh, unto sin and, uh, and that we should die uh, to ourselves. And in, verse, uh, in, in chapter 5, he deals with that he paid sin's penalty. Jesus Christ paid the penalty of sin. And in chapter 6, uh, that, that he broke sin's power. In other words, hey, we are now freed from the bondage and slavery of sin. And in chapter 5, he deals with the righteousness imputed 
And in chapter 6, he deals with righteousness imparted. And so uh, just kind of some parallels that go with chapter 5 and chapter 6 that Paul brings out. And, um, and kind of the whole idea of that is in justification releases us from the penalty of sin through Christ's substitution. In other words, that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. And if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that, hey, we will be justified. In other words, he wipes our sin away and we are now free from the penalty uh, of that sin. Sanctification releases us from the control of sin so we may live freely. In other words, justification is the wiping away of our debts sanctification is setting us free and saying, hey, you are now free to live unto God. And there's a difference between the two, though there's a lot of parallel thoughts uh, aside with that. And so uh, just understand that, that those two chapters parallel a lot uh, in those ideas. And, uh, and we're going to deal specifically with just a few first verses of chapter 6. And look at what, how he opens it up in chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? So we're kind of jumping in in the middle of his thoughts between, as he transitions from chapter 5, justification, into sanctification. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And uh, as Christians, this is a pertinent question for us. We secretly live in sin and claim grace. Or some people openly live in sin and, and claim grace. Uh, and that is a misappropriation of grace. Uh, that's not the purpose of that. And we must strengthen our inner man and overcome sin uh, through sanctification. So as we look at this, uh, verses 1 and 2, I want you to notice this. You can note this down as the first point. A presumption to avoid. This is something that we need to avoid, a presumption that we, we need to avoid. In Romans 5 and verse 20, the, almost the last verse there, he ends with this phrase this, in verse 20. He says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So he ends with this thought saying, hey, you know, where there was a lot of sin, there was a lot of grace. And uh, let me put that on easy terms for us to understand. The Apostle Paul, uh, and I've mentioned this before, he went around killing Christians before uh, he had gotten saved. Matter of fact, he was uh, dragging Christians, men and women, and throwing them in prison, and he was there at the, uh, the death, the martyr of, of Stephen, and, uh, and he was encouraging it. And so the Apostle Paul uh, was contrary to Christianity. Um, and, and you look at his life and you say, man, uh, he needs a lot of... I remember in Peru witnessing to a fella, and, uh, and he had killed another man. He, they got in a fight, and, uh, and he killed, shot and killed the other man. And, uh, and then he went into the police, and he turned himself in. And I remember visiting him in prison, and he thought to himself, he thought, God can never forgive me. And sometimes people do think, Man, I, I've got, man, I have been a wicked person my whole life, and I just don't understand how God can forgive me. Well, that's the idea of this verse, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You can't out-sin God's grace. 
In other words, God's grace is there to pardon every single person. I am prison by the way that I visited who had killed a man did get saved. And you know what? God's grace is sufficient to cleanse him from all sin and all unrighteousness. And it did. And he was gloriously saved and his life was changed. And what a, what a great idea. And I know there's, there's other people who have lived lives that have been wicked. Hey, that God have, has changed them. They have been saved. So Paul is saying, listen, uh, God is able to change anyone. Then you take uh, other cases. And there's people like me. Well, I grew up in church my whole life. I grew up in the nursery. You know what? I never got into drugs or, or alcohol or any of those things. And that's not a testimony to Shane Rice and how good Shane Rice is. No, because if I had grown up like any other person without outside of church, I could have very well gone that route. But the fact of the matter is I grew up in church and I appreciate my parents being faithful in church my whole life. And they're here this morning and uh, I'm glad you're able to be with us. But, but I'm grateful that I grew up in church. And you know what? The fact of the matter is I hadn't killed somebody. I hadn't done a lot of grievous sins if we could say it that way. But you know what? I needed God's grace just as much as that fell in Peru had killed somebody. I needed God's grace just as much as the Apostle Paul who was throwing Christians into jail because I was a lost sinner just as much as anyone else even though my life had not had a chance to reflect those kind of things. Uh, I was still just as lost as anybody else and I needed God's grace. And so what Paul is saying in, in chapter 5 and verse 20 is that, hey, God's grace is sufficient for those who are maybe have lived a more innocent life and for those who have lived more of a, a life that is perhaps lost in sin more and they've had more of an opportunity to experience that sin. But then he goes on because in chapter 6 he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's the, the guy who has lived in sin and now his sin has been justified. All of that debt has been washed away. And Paul is saying, listen, should we just continue in our sin? I mean, if God's grace is big enough and it can cover all that guy's sin and, and, and you maybe didn't have a lot of debt of sin, if I could say it that way, uh, and maybe you didn't live in the world like other people did, then, then, hey, should you just continue in sin? I mean, after all, God's grace will cover it all. And he's saying, God forbid. That is not the right mindset. That is not the attitude with which we should go forward if our debt has been erased, hey, that we should live here on out serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the idea. But many people twist that idea and they take it and say, well, if God's grace is sufficient, then hey, I can live any way I want and I can do anything that I want and I don't have to worry about anything else. And Paul is saying, listen, that's not the right uh, idea. And so this is the presumposition uh, or presumption, excuse me, uh, presumption to avoid. And, uh, and listen, holiness is not popular, but it is Bible. It's not popular today. People don't want to live a holy life, but it is something that God does ask of us. And, uh, and we'll see that in this chapter. Uh, there's two problems to consider as we think about this presumption that we need to avoid that grace is, is large enough that, hey, we can live however we want and it's not a problem. Uh, one is the problem of interpretation. Uh, some want to think of if grace abounds where sin abounds, uh, then the more we sin, the more grace we have. And that's just not right. Uh, as we looked at that verse, isn't it funny how 
uh, many people who do not know the Bible will, will take one verse to justify whatever they're doing. Um, I, I'm talking sometimes just lost people. Um, my dad lives up in, in, in wine country in upstate New York. And it's amazing how many, how many people who drink wine, uh, are, are, they all know the verse that, that Paul wrote to Timothy, drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake. That's the only Bible verse they know. And that's the one they'll tell you, drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake. And they, they think, well, I'm okay with God because, hey, after all, the Bible says drink a little. No, that's, that's pulling a verse out of Scripture and applying it to something that you want to do and you, the way you want to live. And listen, that's what Paul is saying. Listen, that, that we can't just pull this verse out, verse 20, that says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So therefore I can sin all I want and I can live any way I want because after all, God's grace is there. That's, that's not the right um, interpretation of that verse. And listen, Paul encouraged Timothy. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, this book is important. And, and there's many verses that you could just open it up and, and you could take out of context and, and you could really get into some air. Uh, and, and listen, you got to be careful about just pulling verses out of Scripture and twisting them to fit what you want them to fit. It's a problem of interpretation. If you heard about the preacher, it really has nothing to do with my lesson, but I thought of it. Uh, the preacher, he used, to, he used to go to the pulpit Sunday mornings, and, and, and this is how he would preach. He would take his Bible, and he would flop it open to whatever passage, and he would take his finger and plop it down, and he would read the verse. So he plopped it down, and he read the verse, and it said, and he went out and hung himself. And he thought, man, how on earth am I going to preach out of that? He said, let's give it another go. So he took his Bible and he opened it up and he took his finger and he plopped it down. And the verse that he read is, go thou and do thou likewise. <laughs> it didn't work out so well for him. So we need to be careful just pulling verses out of, out of context uh, because, listen, there's things in there that, that are written in a contextual setting and, and pulling things out of their context is not correct. It is a problem, a problem rather, of interpretation. And so as we think about the presumption uh, to avoid, uh, we need to be careful of interpretation. Not only that, we need to be careful of intention. That's why Paul goes on in chapter 6 and verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid, period. That's one of the shorter, that's probably one of the shortest sentences that Paul penned. If you read Paul's writings, uh, his sentences go on and on. And I always look for the period because I want to know, is he done speaking yet or does the thought continue? And, uh, and right here in chapter uh, 6 and verse 2, we have a short sentence that he wrote, God forbid. And then he goes on, he says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And when people want to pull scripture out of context, it becomes not so much a problem of interpretation, though that is a problem. It becomes a problem of intention. It becomes a heart issue, really. Uh, instead of going to the Word of God and saying, 
what does the Word of God say? You go to the Word of God with an idea. I'm going to find a verse that backs up how I can live how I want and do what I want without trying to understand what God really is trying to tell me. And it's an intention issue. It comes from the heart of saying, listen, I want to live how I want, and I want to do what I want to do. Turn with me. Save your spot here in Romans chapter 6 as we'll be back here to our text. But turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter number 2. Verse number 11. Titus 2.11. The Bible says this. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So God's grace that brings salvation has appeared to everyone. And he says in verse 12, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works." God's intention of saving us and redeeming us was, was, yes, so that we can go to heaven. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he had promised to give us a home in heaven. But the second intention that he had was right here in this verse, verse number 14, who gave himself for us, and here's his reason, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And listen, that's what God wants. He wants us to have good works. He wants us to be zealous. That would be, the idea would be to, uh, to, to have a desire uh, to have good works in our life. And that's, that's the intention of God. Listen, if that's what God intends for us, then that's what we ought to desire as well. And to desire to live contrary to the will of God would be sinful. And so we need to be careful that our intentions are correct and that we say, hey, God, I want to live in accordance to your word, in accordance to your will, and do what you would want for my life. And so the presumption that we need to avoid is that, well, grace is there so I can sin all I want, I can do what I want, I can live how I want. Uh, that is a, a bad interpretation and it is a bad intention that we need to avoid, uh, though it is, is, it is commonly reported even amongst uh, uh, people in today, it seems like a common issue. So back in Romans chapter 6, not only do we have the presumption to avoid, but I want you to notice a position to acknowledge. A position to acknowledge. Look with me in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. He says, Now we, excuse me, not now, know ye not that so many of us as we baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall 
be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so the position that uh, we acknowledge is, listen, the, the, it's basically he lays out here for us the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter 6, he's giving us the figure that baptism uh, is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't sprinkle people. Uh, because, listen, you don't take a dead guy and, and put him on top of the ground and then take a little bit of dirt and sprinkle it out on top of him. I mean, we, I've been in several places, and I've never seen anybody buried that way. Uh, in Peru, they bury people differently. They don't take and dig a hole and put them in a the ground. Uh, they resurrect a big old uh, cement wall, and, uh, and they'll bury 150, I don't know how many people, depends on how high and depends on how long, in that big old cement wall. And, uh, and, and if you pay more money, you get about eye If you pay less money, you've got to get a ladder to go up to see the tombstone because uh, it's way up high. And, uh, and so they'll build this big old wall, and, uh, and they'll cut out just a, a hole big enough and slide the, uh, uh, the casket in there and then seal that off. But you know what? They're completely entombed. They're buried, in effect. And, uh, and they're placed uh, in a tomb. And so the idea of, of baptism is to show the death that you would die, that you would be buried, placed underneath the water and completely covered by that water, and then we also always say, uh, and, and raised to walk in newness of life. And it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's using this as an illustration for us. And he says here in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Uh, and listen, that is the crucifixion. Jesus Christ, that he was crucified, the idea of his death. Paul wrote this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But Christ, or I, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now Paul obviously, was alive. He penned the words. But he said, listen, you know what? I die to myself. Paul was, in my opinion, one of the greatest apostles, uh, wrote the majority of the books of the New Testament, and, and greatly used of God. Why, why do I think that to be the case? I think uh, that's not to say that the other apostles did not die to self. Uh, there could be other things. But this one thing I do know, that Paul did die to self. Paul was very selfless in his life. Uh, Paul was one of the few apostles that we know of, and maybe there, maybe we don't know the, the, the entirety life story of all the others. I, I was actually thinking the other day that uh, there's really actually very little written about the life of Andrew. There's little written about the life of Philip. Where there's little written about uh, some of the other disciples and the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so, uh, at least in the Word of God, so we don't know as much about them. But the apostle Paul, we do know, hey, he was stoned and... I'm telling you, you read it in the book of Acts, it was, it was like not the next day, but it was very shortly after, and I don't know if it was a full week after, uh, that he got up and he went back and he preached to the same people. And, and we're talking about somebody who died to self, somebody that, uh, as the Bible 
and some of those apostles, they hazarded their lives. What does that mean? They died to self. They were, they were no longer worried about self. They, we want that Jesus Christ be exalted through every breath of our life. They died to self. And, uh, and what Paul is saying is that, listen, as Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross of Calvary, uh, we need to die to self. Uh, you know, a dead man doesn't have desires. Uh, I remember hearing a preacher say one time, a long time ago, he said, if you were to wheel a corpse in here and, uh, and lay it out here in front of us, he said, and then you were to take a, a grill and you were to fire it up and put some steak on there. Man, I mean, if that doesn't make it, I mean, the smell of steak being, being grilled just says, wow, I'm hungry. Or... Okay, we go to the other side for you sweet tooth people like myself. Chocolate. Man, you got the smell of chocolate. It's like, mmm, I want some of that. And so you can go either way. But you know what? You could put both of those aromas in front of this dead man. He's not going to move. It's not going to bother him. Why? Because he is dead. There is nothing that's going to affect him. Uh, he's dead. So what Paul is effectively saying, look with me at verse number 6, uh, he says this, he kind of explains it in, in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. He's saying, listen, that, that we ought to be dead to the temptation of sin. Now listen, we'll still have, we'll, we will still have flesh. Uh, we will still fight with our flesh. But listen, if we're dying to self, we're saying, God, it's not what I want. It's not what my flesh desires. It's not the things that I want to do, but I want to serve you, and we're abandoning what we want. And, uh, and so uh, Paul is saying, listen, that we need to die to self. That's the same thing that Jesus taught. He said in Matthew 16 and verse 24, he said, uh, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so uh, we see Christ crucified. We ought to die to self, buried. Uh, and that was Jesus placed in the tomb in three and four there. Uh, we see that he was buried, but then raised again. I like verse four. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Listen, we're raised to walk in a new life. That's how we know that we're not to continue into sin because God has saved us and changed us so that we can walk in a new life. So we see the, uh, the position that we are to acknowledge, that we are to be dead to sin. We see the uh, presumption that we are to avoid, that, hey, grace will uh, just cover everything. I want you to notice as well the process to activate, the process to activate. Look with me. We didn't read down through here, but look with me at verse number 11. He says this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I heard about an elderly lady, and, and uh, she lived in a, in a very old dilapidated shack in absolute poverty. And 
Uh, she lived that way for quite some time, and eventually she passed away. Later, her family learned that she literally had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. Now, she was wealthy, but she didn't live like it. She lived like a pauper. She lived very poorly. She lived, uh, now we don't know why. I mean, maybe she lived that way ignorantly. Maybe she lived that way out of frugality. I don't know why, uh, but I do know this, that, that she lived a very, very, a, a very poor life when she had hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank. Listen, Christian, that's the way you and I live oftentimes. Hey, we have the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang that song, Oh, victory in Jesus. Hey, he's given us the victory. Why? Because we deny ourselves the, 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 the luxury of what God has provided for us. The victory over sin, the victory over uh, death, hell, and the grave, the victory that we should have in our, in our life. The word reckon means to count, calculate, take into account. And so you may have uh, uh, you may have a bunch of money in the bank, but if you don't take that into account, if you don't take that into consideration, you'll live your life thinking, "Well, I've got nothing." Listen, as a Christian, uh, God has given us great victory in our lives. He's given us the victory over sin. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we should walk in newness of life. Uh, he says in verse seven, "For he that is dead, for he that is dead is freed." from sin. And so uh, he's saying, listen, we have the opportunity uh, to be free of sin. Now, as we think of that idea, I want, I want you to understand this. It's not sinless perfection, okay? Um, we will still mess up in our lives. Paul said, and uh, in, in I think it was Romans chapter 7, if I'm not mistaken, he said, those things that I would do, I do not, and those things that I do not want to do, those things I do. And so uh, the apostle Paul struggled with those things. So he's not teaching sinless perfection, uh, but he is telling us there is a difference of being freed. Imagine if you, uh, for whatever reason, um, you're in prison, and your life is, is living in prison. And somebody comes along and they say, you know what? Uh, we're going to pardon you. And they pardon you. And, and you say, man, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm glad for that. And then you're released from prison. That means you are free. Now, if you've, uh, if you've ever, we've all know what quarantine is, right? Over 2020, that's one thing we learned is how to be stuck in our house and not go anywhere. And uh, I didn't quarantine very well. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't stay restricted very well. It's hard to stay in one spot. But, uh, but listen, uh, we know what that is. Man, when you walk out of your house and you say, man, I'm free. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you'll uh, never, never be quarantined again. But hey, for that time, you are free. You can get out. If somebody were let out of jail, they're free. That doesn't mean that they couldn't be locked back up and, 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 and in bondage themselves again to uh, a problem or sinfulness, uh, and Christians certainly can. Uh, but listen, he's saying that we are freed from sin. We've been released from that cell and that bondage that sin brings in our life. And he goes on and he warns Timothy later. He says uh, that a good soldier will not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. In other words, it is, hey, you can't go back and, and, and bondage yourself to sin. Uh, and then there's freedom in Christ. But why would you want to do that? That would be foolish. And so he's saying, take into account, reckon the fact 
that, hey, Jesus Christ has released you and given you freedom from the bondage of that sin and that you are no longer enslaved to do sin, but you are free to live after the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 12 and 13. He says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. He's saying, listen, allow God to use your life. Saying you're freed from the sin. You're, you're freed from that bondage. You've been released. You're no longer quarantined. You're allowed to go out. But now that you can go out, hey, use your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses the word, you're an instrument. We have an instrument. We have a, a piano here. We have a guitar over here. You know what? That thing just sits there. If nobody touches it, it doesn't make any sound. No sound comes out. It's an instrument. Um, but as soon as somebody touches it, all of a sudden sound comes out. And, and you can take an instrument and you can play music that is not glorifying to God, not good music, not godly music, or you can play music that is godly and it exalts Christ and it, and it lifts up the Lord and it edifies the spirit. There, there's, it's just an instrument. And God is saying, hey, Yield your body to Jesus Christ and allow your life to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that you do. And yield your body as an instrument of righteousness to God. And so he's saying, hey, we've got to activate it. We've got to recognize that, hey, we do have freedom from that sin. We need to recognize that. We need to understand that. But then we need to take and say, God, I'm yours. You're the one that freed me. You're the one that allowed me to live, allowed me to be free from my sin and help me to live for you and follow you in all that we do. We're talking about dying to self. We're talking about strengthening the inner man. Until you die to yourself, until you give up your own passions, your own desires, and you say, God, I don't want to serve what I want to do. I want to serve you and allow my life to be used of you on a regular basis. Paul said also in 1 Corinthians, he said, I die daily. Somebody once said, you know what the problem with a living sacrifice, because Paul said in Romans 12, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. You know the problem with a living sacrifice is you put it on the altar today, and tomorrow it gets up and wants to do its own thing. And tomorrow you're going to have to say, you know what? I want to live for the Lord. God, I'm yours. And then and Tuesday, you know what? You're going to get up and you're going to want to do your own thing. I need, to, I need to sacrifice. I need to die to self today and say, God, I'm yours. I want to live for you. And it's a regular thing that we have to do and in order to die to self, and that will strengthen our inner, inner man. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand our feet, dying to self, we need to strengthen our inner man. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the victory truly that we have in you. God, the freedom that we truly have from sin. God, I pray that you would help us to yield our lives. That would be to submit completely to you. 
our life on a daily basis. Help us to serve you, God, with our life, that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, that others would look at us and say, there's something different about that person. Help us to be yielded servants of you and not enslaved to sin, not in bondage to sin. Father, I pray that you'd touch each and every heart as only you can. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, just have a short hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.